Dion? What's up, G? What's up, Dion? I've been, you know, a little devastated that I'm, you know, a loser after last night. I don't know about you. How do you feel? Uh, I'm fine. I mean, you be, you go through these enough, uh, and you just you just need one, right? Like that. That's the goal was to get one, and then if you get two, that's like the dream scenario. But they handled business on Sunday, so yesterday was kind of house money. See, your tone has changed, though, Dion. Uh, I'm going to invite Larry and X up. Also, I have no idea if you guys can make it. If not, no worries, but feel free to pop up if you want. Cart, what's going on? We'll get to you in just a second. Uh, Dion, your tone has changed a ton since uh, pre-series. Dion, Dion excuses off rip. Here we go. Scary hours. Let's, let's Scary hear it. Let's, hours. Let's, hear it. let's hear it, Dion. Let's hear how the stripes had an effect on a young man giving off 45 fucking points. Let's hear they it. They did not. Let's hear it. They did not. I thought Ja – so it, over the course of the playoffs, um, I call it 16 games. Most of y'all don't know anything about getting to 16. But over the course of 16, your best player is going to win you a handful of those. They have to because your role players aren't going to show up. Typically, your best player is going to do that on the road because your role players do not show up on the road. But Ja just had one of those performances. You just got to tip your hat to him. Um, Call 12. I mean, we, we all know uh, we all know All Lives Matter cart does that. But uh, if, if that's their best punch through two, because I thought we took their best punch in game one and won, and then you get the job performance in game two, and they win by five in a Scott Foster game, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say, like. Are they? How do they win in Chase if that's all they got in Memphis? I mean, how they win in Chase is how they won last night, dog. Ja had 40, 40 how does seven, ja, eight, and eight. But, but how does Ja perform on the road, though? I, look, I, I get what you're saying. I do. But, like, when you're 22 years old and you go toe-to-toe with Steph Curry – and you outplay him in the stretch run of a game, I don't care if that's at home. If you have 48, like, he dragged that team to victory, and you and I were both collectively clowning him pre-series. Like, and and that's why I think your tone has changed, because pre-series, you can't tell me you were taking Ja seriously. Now you have to. Not really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he dropped forty-seven on thirty-one shots in the. Oh my game. god! Yeah, oh, I mean, like, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to look. Look, it's a it's a young kid. It's his second time in the playoffs. He dropped forty-seven. They won the game. Shout out to him. But this doesn't put any fear in the Warriors' heart whatsoever. And Honest, let's I talk about let's talk about the dirty play from last night. I think that was on, disgusting on Gary, behavior on, on the Grizzlies' behalf. On which one? Draymond or Gary Payton? Like, the, the, the whole first quarter was disgusting behavior. That shit was, was watching really the longest behavior. yard all over again. It was really bad. I mean, I didn't have to watch Dylan Brooks play for a basketball game, so if Gary Payton had to be the sacrifice of that, I'm sorry. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think you're going to have to watch Dylan Brooks play the rest That'd of the series, fired. to be honest. I kind of, like the more I watched that replay, the more he did not make any attempt to touch that basketball. 
and, and Clay went five for nineteen, shooting twenty six percent. That's not gonna happen often. And that a lot actually of those does happen looks. quite often with Clay nowadays. That yeah. could very well happen again. I think Clay's well, washed. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna say washed, but I mean that was just bad shot selection, man. Like he took yeah. really stupid shots, and he hasn't been playing well enough to be taking those type of heat checks. So I think he really shot them in the foot. But look, man, once Ja hit that step back three, I'm like, dog, if he's going to hit that shot, there's very little you can actually do. You just tip your cap and you move on to the next game. He had a really great performance. But I I would live with him taking those type of shots. But on the night where he hits them, hey, man, what what you going to do? Yeah, I think the Clay stuff, um, if you rewatch the game, uh, he went back to January Clay, where he's taking a lot of shots off the dribble and he's taking a lot of contested looks. Clay doesn't need to do that anymore because now Jordan Poole and Steph are playing. But the real thing that shot us in the foot was JP and Draymond both were in foul trouble like almost immediately and never really got out of it. JP got his fifth foul, I want to say like two minutes into the fourth quarter and just effectively stopped playing defense. That's why he got he turned into the whirlpool when he was guarding job because like he couldn't get six. Draymond got his fifth like two and a half into it. So for Clay, it's more important like the people around him than it is him. If Clay's just going to stand there and take open looks, Clay's going to be able to shoot till he's 50. But if Clay's out there and it's just him and Wiggins and Damian Lee and Looney and these cats, like Clay's in trouble. But I don't think it really matters. Like, Jai have a forty-seven. Your 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 tone t- your tone your tone tells me it matters, Dion. You got a different a different energy level today. You got that you got that work phone voice on right now. You sound very humble. Maybe because I'm at work. Would <laughs> 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 John have a forty-seven eight seven or some shit like that? It's a hell of a performance, man. You just gotta tip your hat to the kid. But at the end of the day, he did that. They won by five. I want to say Steph, Clay, and Poole shot uh, like 18% from the three-point line combined. They were one of 16 on uncontested threes. Show me a world where that happens twice. Look, I think this this series is pretty simple, right? I think we knew Memphis wouldn't have the type of ball, ball handling on the perimeter to where they could attack the Warriors in a number of ways. And we saw with John Moran's usage that – He's going to have the ball in his hands, and the Warriors are going to have to live and die with, with his ability to make tough shots, and he's great enough to be able to have nights like last night. But if I'm the Warriors, I still play the percentages. I still play the fact that Ja has a tendency to be inefficient at times, and if some of those ridiculous-ass shots aren't falling in, then the, the Grizzlies don't really have a plan B, right? And so, hey, I think that his shooting percentage and his efficiency will be – will correlate with how the how many games the Grizzlies win this series. But I think the Warriors kind of did what they wanted to do. You know, they were just some minor tweaks I, I feel like they can make. But they, they shouldn't have been in that game. The Warriors had no business being in that game. Yeah, that's about as bad as the Warriors can play a basketball game. Um <laughs> I don't think I don't think it gets much worse. Hang the it, banner. It's about as bad as it gets. But I do think this like this has kind of been my whole thing with the Grizzlies start to finish. They're way too fucking emotional. When the Warriors do something, it gets a reaction from the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies do shit. It doesn't really get a reaction. You got Jaw talking to Steph as he walks off the court. I've seen this story a million times. It doesn't end well for the other team ever. It's ha- Have you actually, too- though? Like, who who has stared into the soul of Steph Curry like that? 
Chris Paul shimmied in front of Steph to go up 3-2. Show me what okay, happened that's, after that's, that. That's one guy, and Chris Paul was Show me what, what, ha- what happened 33? after that. Chris Paul was 33 <laughs> when that happened? Like, with 10-plus years of failure? Was that the Houston series where he got hurt? Yeah, he got hurt. I just like I, you acting like this is an every year <laughs> thing where there's some 22 year old superstar capable of going for 50 and then looking Steph dead in the eyes and saying we gonna have some fun like nah I there's mean, nobody Dane, who's Dane, ever done Dane, what Scott did last night to the Warriors. Dane did the same thing multiple times like this this happens. Hell, Mike Conley and Zebo and them were doing the same shit to the Warriors in 2015. Like this shit happens all the time. Like you you, you have to be a serial killer. This kid is fun. I think he has a lot of swag. You telling he me there wasn't more, serial killer tendencies from Ja last night? He front runner tendencies. Let me I let me tell you. Let me, I, let me, I, real I'll quick, Max. I'll get I'll, yeah, I'll get I'll, to you in a sec, Max. Real quick. Go, 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 I, go, 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 go. A serial killer tendency, Dion, is when your team is down four points with four minutes left in a game, and you go five for seven from the floor in the final four minutes for fifteen points in a W. That's a serial no, killer tendency, and that's I a Ja did last night. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I'm talking about like the emotional aspect of it. They're, this is a long road. They remind me more of the Lob City Clippers than they do any of these other teams. You could even say they like the Clippers from the bubble or the last couple years with Kawhi and PG. This is a team where if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile, but they don't know how to get the fucking inch. And it's not that much fun for them when the other team is the one taking the mile and you have to be able to have fun in both lights and you have to be able to not let everything get to you. And until they can grow and do that, I just don't really see it because now you're tied one, one and you're coming back to the Bay like that. If you ask the two teams what they wanted going into game three, this wasn't what the Grizzlies wanted, especially with what it took to get to one, one. I I don't think the Grizzlies would in their heart of hearts seriously ever expect to be up 2-0 in this series after home. They might tell people that, but I, I think they're happy with 1-1 after the way game one went, especially. You think they're happy with uh, 1-1 going on the road? I do. After the way game two ended, like I said, it, it, it's going to be some fun. That's what Josh said. Uh, I just, I, look, I, I agree with everything you're saying about like the, the front runner tendencies, all that bullshit, fake tough guys. Like that's Dylan Brooks. That might be Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson can't stay on a basketball court for 15 minutes, let alone 40 in the playoffs. But, like, I want to be very clear. John Morant is fucking different. And I don't know how you call him a front runner, fake tough guy, whatever you want to call him after last night. Like, I have a new respect for that man. Max, we've been muting you, like, over and over and over again. What do you got? Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, my like, we know – the Warriors like are going to win the series. I don't think that's really in doubt. It's a lot closer. Um, this this series is, is, has been as competitive and as close as I thought it might be. Um, even though I was told it would be a sweep, um, but I don't I don't see how the Warriors win a game in Phoenix. And I think that's the main point. Like they look like a different team when they play on the road. Like it doesn't matter whether it's in Denver or FedEx Swarm. Like. I get they got the the first game win, but they had to scratch scratch and claw to to get that. They obviously lost yesterday. Like, I mean, both of these teams, like Phoenix and Golden State, are going to be in the Western Conference Finals. But I don't I don't see how the Warriors get a game in Phoenix, and that's kind of what they have to do to win that series. So, 
I mean, that's pretty much the bottom line here. Like, this this will be a fun series. Like, the Warriors will pull it out, but they're not winning it, winning a game in the Valley. How many teams look the same on the road as they do at home, Max? I mean, the Bucks looked great in Boston last year. This year, they looked they looked great in Boston. They just got dogged by thirty. Yeah, but they looked they. they but they just they, got dogged by thirty. They they won it. They won a game in Boston. So they, did the Warriors. The Warriors won a game in Memphis. They, they, you won one point. Okay. One point, one point win. Okay. That's like y'all are okay. on the road. Like lost. They the won a game in Memphis. They won a game in Memphis, and the the Bucks won a game in Boston. What's the difference? Hey, when it comes to moral victories, the fucking Bucks are up two zero. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on, so what do, are we talking about? Do the Bucks about? get the Bucks, extra the Bucks, games because the Bucks, they won by 13? The Bucks had a convincing win in Boston. And, they had and then they got dogged. The Warriors, the Warriors they got had, clapped up. The, the Warriors have not played a convincing win, had not, had not had a convincing win on the road in the playoffs yet. And they were average on the road all year. Like The Bucks they, got they, clapped up by 30 yesterday. Look, all right, look. Fine, right, let's move on. Can we agree? Can we agree that the Warriors can we agree that the Warriors haven't played a good game yet this series? Yeah, I, no, I think we got. I think so. Uh, I, think, I disagree, actually. X, the first game, given what happened to Draymond, I think was fine. Yeah, yeah. What, what? All I'm trying to say is, I don't think we've seen the Warriors' best effort yet, and I think we saw the Grizzlies' best effort based on how they can attack Golden State. We saw the peak of that last night, and the Grizzlies had a chance of losing that game. And so what I'm saying is that if we see the Warriors actually put forward, put their best foot forward, I think there's still a gap between the two teams. So I think that's why ultimately the Warriors will win. I agree. Look, Ja has completely changed my mind. He's beyond reproach. He's great. I do still think there's some flaws in this game, but he's great enough to overcome them in one game sample sizes. I'm just not willing to say that those flaws have gone away, and I think those flaws are part of the reason why they lose because he's still quite a skeptic. He's still fucking awful on defense, and I think, I mean, even his coach, you saw his body language when he gave up that wide-open three to Steph on the switch because he didn't know what he was doing in pick and roll. Like, it's things like that that when the margin is that tight in the playoffs, he's great on offense, but when he takes off the table on defense, it's going to rear its ugly head. Grizzlies in seven. Fuck Dion. I hope you're right because, honestly, it's bullying at this point. No team should be allowed to have this level of longevity of success. Y'all lost in the play-in last year. Okay. Five finals in the last, what, Y'all seven, lost in the play-in. Y'all lost in the play-in last year. I'd rather lose in the play-in than win in that shit. It's a clown show tournament. You clown you clown Weezy's team for losing in the play-in all the time. That's because he's excited for it. He was screaming, talking about see you in April to S and shit. <laughs> The fuck is a playing dog? <laughs> so, do we actually feel like uh, last night was dirty from Memphis versus just like trying to reassert themselves physically after the Draymond shit? I think, yeah, it's, both. I think it's both. So, I don't think anything, I, I do want to say this like, I feel like a lot of Warriors fans have been like trying to pretend that Dylan Brooks had intent on that play. I don't think there's a shot in the world where he had intent on that play. I don't think Xavier Tillman had intent on his play either. Um, I don't think uh, both of Xavier Tillman's plays, my bad, uh, because the Steph one too. But I do think there was a 
<clears throat> I do think the Steph screen was extremely dirty. I thought the uh, obviously the play on GP two was extremely dirty. Like, just let him get the two points. Let him get. Um, but I mean, it is what it is, dude. Like, it is what it is. The, wait, the, wait, which which wait, which screen are you talking about on Curry? Um, there was like I want to say there was like four or five minutes left in the first quarter, and uh, Xavier it, it got called a moving screen and they went the other way it's, you're not talking about the one that brandon clark said right that was moving screen or is, this, is that a different one i don't know who said it to be honest i can't remember but steph had to go get uh his hand like bandaged up i want to say that's all i remember um and he slid into him and they banged knees and steph had blood on his uh left kneecap for like the rest of the game like which is no big deal the warriors knew what they're getting into i think they they all even spoke about it prior to the game uh I do – the Dylan Brooks play bothers the hell out of me just because, like, I, I you got to kind of feel bad for Gary Payton. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I wish that one happened to somebody else, but that dude went from, like, probably going to make the full MLE to maybe a minimum contract depending on the severity of the injury. Like, yeah, I don't know. kind of just stinks. I do want to say, like, too, in terms of Gary Payton – I don't think he really makes a difference in this series, but the Phoenix series, that's the one where I think the Warriors really, really feel the loss of him. Dion, that's asinine. Gary Payne's the only player with a chance of even staying in front of John Morant. He clearly makes a difference in this uh, series. Yes, but I can live with, like, if you're going to tell me Jaws going to make six threes and shoot 47 and score 47 points, like, I can live with that. Like, now you go to the Phoenix series and the people that Booker and CP are kicking out to, I just find are much better. So I don't mind overhelping on Ja as much as I mind overhelping in the Phoenix series. But the thing is, like, did, like you saw last night, the Warriors can't really trap Ja because none of the players that are defending him when he's being trapped are capable. So he just cutting right through the fucking double team, and it's pointless. But if you had Gary Payton out there as one of the two defenders that was trapping him, now you could get the ball to the bums. Well, not bums. Dylan Brooks is a bum. To the other bums on the perimeter, and I think the, the series is much easier. So I think him not being out there makes it a lot tougher to guard him, which makes you more liable to you know, give up games like he did last night. Maybe. I, I think... I think it's right. harder for them to switch it in-game because Kerr is one of the worst in-game adjustment coaches I've ever seen in my life. Like, you go into a game and the game plan stays the same, whether Draymond gets ejected or Draymond plays, it doesn't matter. So I think that's why it's tougher. I have a hard time believing Wiggins and Draymond can't blitz Ja a few times. We saw it. We saw spurts of it, and I think there was a point where they they were up 10 and they blitzed Ja, and the Warriors got three straight turnovers and cut the lead to four on dunks, and then uh, the Grizzlies call timeout in the third quarter, too. Um, so I do think they can do it, but, like, our coaching really, really, really does stink. So it's one of those things where you're liable to give a star player 47 points because you're not going to change anything. You're going to sag off. You're going to let him get ahead of steam, and then he's going to get whatever he wants because you can't stay in front of him from 10 feet away, especially if he's hitting threes like that. So. I mean, it is what it is. You have to be able to make in-game adjustments, and we can't. It's also fucking Gary Payton. Like, I, I get, I like, are we, are we, I, I get, like, you know, he's been doing good in, like, what, his 15 minutes a game, whatever he's been playing. I don't really know. But, like, it's also fucking Gary Payton. Are we really going to say that this injury is going to swing the series like that? It's fucking Gary Payton second. 
So no, I, I don't think it swings this one. I do think it. I do think it is a big. I I just I I refuse to listen to any narratives if this series is lost or the next series is lost because of Gary Payton the second playing. Look, Carter, I know you haven't watched meaningful games by your favorite team hey, in over two right, decades. Hey, I'm, I'm just but saying, in the playoffs, when the margins are razor thin, yes, a spot role player who can do one thing really well does make a huge difference. So, Carter, you're talking out of your well, ass. I love you. Though. And he does Probably more than one thing well. Like, he shoots 40-plus percent on corner threes, and on the, and he's really fucking athletic. Like, he's not he's not like some liability offensively either. Damn near about to be an all-star, like a Wiggins. Because Car Car leads me to my next point about the Warriors, which I uh, first of all I agree with you, Car. It's Gary fucking Payton. But second of all, I I think Otto Porter and Andrew Wiggins fucking stink. And I get Wiggins was an all-star. He has to be one of the worst all-stars in a very long time in this league. And I get he's in the Warriors system and he probably looked great in the regular season, but like. Bruh, him and Otto Porter were on some bullshit last night and really have been the whole series. And that's with Clay on Pluto. Like, I, I, this just seems like the number one thing that sticks out to me compared to old Warriors teams in the prime of their run is like beyond Curry and beyond Jordan Poole, who I guess is number two right now, and beyond Draymond. Like, I don't trust their four through six guys nearly as much as I used to. Who, what? <laughs> uh, are you talking about the KD teams or like the, the, talking, like the, the, the actual death lineup teams, right? Like you had uh, like at least Iguodala's out there doing shit and is a solid defender. Like I, I don't trust Wiggins or Porter at all right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not huge on Otto right now. He's like lost his shot, which is basically all he has. Nigga's name is Otto. Let's just end the conversation there. I thought Wiggins was the best player on the Warriors last night. Like, and I really, really, really didn't think it was close at all. Like, I didn't think it was close at all. He every time the Grizzlies Uh got up big, it was Wiggins that got a bucket. Um, He had nine rebounds. I, I mean, it's not like. He got dogged by job, but like so did the rest of the whole fucking. Bro, four four players on the Warriors had nine rebounds. He shot six for sixteen and missed six open threes, wide open threes. Yeah, the whole fucking team missed open threes. <laughs> they shot eighteen percent from the three point line at one point in the game. I don't know what it finished at, but at one point in the game, they were one of eighteen on uncontested threes. The whole fucking team missed open threes. I didn't think Steph was good at all. Um, I think he was a little uncharacteristically wild. Jordan Poole was really fucking good, but when you are in foul trouble the whole game, what does it fucking matter? Uh, Draymond obviously missed the first quarter. Clay stunk. I really did think Wiggins was the best player on the court last night, at least for us, which... Bro, for like five... You're talking about that one five-minute stretch. You got to relax, bro. But that's like... That's the only reason we were in the game. Like, every time the Grizzlies got a lead, it was Wiggins that got us back in the game. Like, the the game could have got real fucking ugly if Wiggins didn't do what he did. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, dog. I mean, I mean, it also could have got real ugly if Curry didn't hit those big ones down the stretch. But too. like, I mean, Steph's your best player. He's your best fucking player. He. You just told me Wiggins was the best player. He last was the best night. player last night. Steph is the best player. What? Dion, Dion, like, don't, Dion, don't make me agree with Carter, please. That's not. That's not a good place to be. And you're forcing me to agree with Carter, and it feels on, disgusting. I just no, happen, I'm just being honest. Like Steph wasn't good last night. 
None of the rest of the But Wiggins were... was fucking ass. Actually ass. I, besides that dunk. <laughs> I, I didn't think he was that bad. I, it, it, this is relative to the role on the team for what it's worth. But I do think rel- like if you can get that Wiggins performance every single game with him being willing to bang down low pause, uh, use his athleticism and get a bunch of rebounds, specifically the offensive ones and tipping balls out and whatnot pause. But if you get that performance and then you just get slightly above average Steph performance, Clay just shoots average from the three-point line and Jordan Poole doesn't get in foul trouble. I mean, those three things feel a lot more realistic than the performance like Wiggins has put on realistically throughout the playoffs. So. I don't know. My dog, my dog Clay needs some self awareness. For real, yeah. he needs a little bit of reality check. You can't you can't always be that guy forever? It, it, every everyone has that come to whatever you want to call it moment. Sometimes you just got to reel it back in. That man shot selection last night was something. I saw some wild ass shit for real. He was uh, Jordan Poole couldn't be like more important to the success of Clay Thompson with where Clay Thompson's game's at right now. Uh, but more importantly than his shot selection, Clay's finished on defense. <laughs> he's got he's got nothing left on that end of the floor. Yo, Yo shout out Zaire Williams, bro. That motherfucker shoot. Oh, yeah. Can we spend some time? Can he actually shoot? That's an honest question. Or did, like, did he just get hot last night? Last night he could shoot. You know what I'm saying? I and he was hitting threes on the move, which I did not think he was capable of. So I think he had a, he was a big reason why Memphis won that game. Low-key. Role players shoot well at home. Yeah, I uh I, I 100% did not think Zaire could shoot at all. So I kept being shocked every time those shots went in. But uh yeah, he was really good last night. Can we spend some airtime on a team that actually might make the finals? Um, talk about Boston. Please. Yeah, let's pivot. Let's go to that series. Uh, I'm kicking myself from a betting perspective. I don't know if the Break the Bank guys uh, feel the same or feel differently here, but I'm kicking myself that I didn't mortgage Celtics last night uh, pregame. Like, sometimes I feel like the NBA playoffs can be pretty obvious, and when two teams are similarly talented – situationally, if you got a home team down 0-1, they're winning game two, and they're usually winning it pretty comfortably. And especially without Chris Middleton, like I suckered myself into Bucks plus five last night. That shit was over five minutes into the game. Uh, I still don't take the Celtics seriously as a title contender, and I'm fine to like go in-depth on that with you guys because I feel like I'm in the minority there. But um, they were great last night. What, what do you think, Max? Do you have the Celtics as – the team to beat in the East right now? So here's the thing. Um, I, like Milwaukee, I think can definitely like pull it out. But I think when Boston's playing like in that, in that gear where everyone's like focused, like I don't think they're as as emotional as Memphis, but like I think they do to like Dion's kind of point earlier, like they do have some emotional tendencies, but I like the way they're responding it respond against Milwaukee and I really am not sold on like Philadelphia coming out of their series series with Miami. I think Boston and, and Miami would be an interesting Eastern conference final, but like, 
I think if if that were the situation presented to me, I would say I would say Boston. Like I don't know if this rest that Lowry's getting is because of like just rest or like he's actually hurt. So like I think I would I think I like Boston. Um, out of like out of Milwaukee, I mean Miami and and Philadelphia, if they get past the Bucks, but obviously you can't like count out Giannis like it's only one to one so we don't know but like I I think that that when they got even though like you said it's at home they're they're gonna respond again on harder Memphis did the same thing like I don't know man I think I think Boston this might be their year or as close to their year as like any other in their last I want Larry I want Larry and X's thoughts on the Celtics I'm still so torn, man. Like, Tatum's obviously incredible. Brown's awesome. Like, when they have the full complement of role players, like, if Marcus Smart's healthy, like, they're tough, man. I just, for some reason, I can't get there. One, with Tatum as, like, a number one guy on a title team and just with, like, their history the last five years anyway. Like, I don't trust them to actually get through the East. I... I think their defense is world class, and I think that's going to keep them in any series. My issue is that, like, against a good defensive team, I don't trust Eric White. I don't trust Marcus Smart as much as Marcus Smart trusts Marcus Smart. And if they, you know, dissolve back into the ISO heavy ball, again, like Morant, I think Tatum is great enough to have games where he can carry the team offensively. But against the right defense, if they're settling for just a bunch of contested, hand their face, long jumpers, I think that's where the Celtics can falter. So I do think their upside is championship caliber. I just don't know if I trust them to achieve that level night in and night out. You know what I'm saying? And I think this series would be a lot different um, if Middleton were out there. So I think they'd probably beat the Bucks. But I think Middleton probably does make a huge difference because it makes the Bucks a lot easier to defend without him out there. Oh, let's see here. Larry said he can't talk, but Grant Williams ain't doing that all series, and this is where the Bucks miss Middleton. How long is Middleton out for? Is he out for this series, or what's the yeah. what's the the whole series? series yeah. But so like I. Back to the point of like home court shit. Like it feels big that the Bucks got game one here, right? They're gonna at least split at home with Giannis. I don't know. I still feel like the Bucks have the upper hand. They have the best player in the series. They have home court. I don't know. I don't trust Drew Holiday. Yeah, this is the thing. Like I don't know offensively if they can really like like Drew like. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I think I think Boston can give you more on offense. They're both two two good defensive teams. Giannis can win you some games by by himself, but like that's gonna be a tough ask. Drew's pretty phenomenal at home, though. He stinks. He's not very good on the road. He's a role player, but Drew's pretty phenomenal in Milwaukee. I don't want ML to be happy. That's why I'm not going all the way on the Celtics. Well, ML, this is a no-lose situation for him because he's predicted both teams will win the East. So, Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> they, got, they got three three teams from each side. You can yeah, so he can all. just pivot whichever way he wants to pivot to after the series is over. Yeah, I, G, I'm 
I mean, we talked about this with our thoughts on Giannis and how I feel that he currently is the best player in the NBA, just based off last season, his performance and what he's done this season. You know, obviously, but I, I just don't know if I can put my trust in Drew Holiday to do it on a game-to-game basis. Like, he can give Why you 20, but then he also can miss – he misses layups. So I've never seen – I need a stat. <laughs> I need stat muse on missed layups in the playoffs. I guarantee Drew Holiday, since the stat's been kept, has missed the most layups in playoff history. Is Drew that bad? Like, I'm surprised the whole room's shitting on Drew right now. Like, the, let's, let's not treat this man like he's Eric Bledsoe. No, I'm just – I'm sick of the – chip on the shoulder underrated i don't get my respect thing like that was really dope in like 2015 i i just feel like twitter like likes to say he's good to sound smart and cool and i hate that i think Drew's really fucking good and i think because a lot of people here don't respect defense um i think a lot of what he does is underrated Thanks, just proved my point. Speaking of, de- speaking of defense, good transition to the Mavericks. Uh, X, how come y'all can't check a fucking soul? Um, I mean, the Suns are just better than us, and they're perfectly equipped to beat our, our amoeba-style defense. And offensively, Kid couldn't draw a fucking play if his life depended on it. He's like, Luca, go out there, run a high screen, pick and roll. If that doesn't work, do it again. If that doesn't work, well, you've got six seconds. Go make magic happen. And that's as far as kids' coaching abilities go on offense. So, yeah, so it's just better. If you saw Mark Cuban in the street right now, what would you do? God, stay far away from him. He disgusts me, honestly. I love my team dearly, but I hate the owner and I hate the organization. Would you, would you consider putting a hood on and walking across the street? Nah, I'm a, you know, I don't have enough melanin for that, so he won't be scared of me. I'm <laughs> saying there's no need for it. <laughs> Yo, Dinwiddie stinks, by the way. Yo, watch your mouth. First of all, watch your fucking mouth when you're talking to me, Dion. No, he's, he's not. He's bro, t- bro, t- it's fans like you, the casuals, who don't even understand what the fuck you're watching, and it pisses me off. He's not Luca. You can't ask him to go one on five and make magic happen. Like, you got to get the defense into rotation. You got to have him attacking closeouts. You don't put him at the top of the key where all five defenders are looking at him and be like, yo, go get us a bucket. Like, it, to say that he's not capable of doing that doesn't mean he stinks. It means he's not fucking Luca. He's not a top 10 player. Like, you got to put him in position to succeed. Like, that's coaching. You know I'm not the top ten player on the court. Come on, don't, yo, don't be disrespectful, son. I swear, <laughs> I swear, yo, I hate y'all. Yeah, Dion's filter is really what can I say to emphasize disrespect, and then that's what we hear once he unmutes. It's got to reach a certain level of disrespect. He stinks. I was on the bucks <laughs> too, though, G. I I was convinced that this one could end up being a sweep. And then they, I forgot they, even last year, they dropped some duds on the road. I just, anytime you give me five points or like a plus 180 money line opportunity with the best player in the world, like I'm, I'm taking that every single time. And I might lose a couple games with that, but I'll win more than I lose. Why was he? I can't believe, I can't believe Dion has the audacity to, go on a Gary Payton second monologue, but then switch to saying Spencer Dinwiddie stinks. 
Look, I don't know why y'all take Dion seriously. He's flip-flop on his own fucking team a couple dozen times this season. But whenever he changes his opinion, he comes out with disrespect and wildly <laughs> aggressive statements to distract you from the fact that the man doesn't know what to feel about his team. One day, the league is too weak. The next day, Steph Curry is a bum. The next day, Curry is a guy. I, I can't keep up with all the Dion's takes. You know what I'm saying? I'm embarrassed because y'all should call him out more often. Y'all let him get away with bullshit, and I don't like that. Oh, we stink. I've been saying that all year. No, we stink. Uh, no, you said that the last the 18 league hours. Is, man. The league just stinks more. The league really does Come on, stink. Dion. The league Come really on. does one, one day it's light years and y'all the revolutionary pioneer organization. The next the next day you hate everyone and you want the team disbanded and you want to build around Wiggins and Kaminga. Like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, bro. Oh, and it. I get it. That's you're you're emotional. Being a fan. But – I have been adamant that we stink. The league just stinks more. And if this was like 2018, 2019, I'm not even sure we're a playing team. And hold on real quick. Let me address the disrespect in the comments. Yo, Josh, I, you say the name Spencer Dinwiddie far too often for someone who roots for Josh Green. So <laughs> until you can admit and just say it out loud, yo, Josh Green is not a good basketball player. If I hear you say that out loud, then you can disrespect Dinwiddie. But until then, bro, you got to pick your battles. Then what he still sings. If Josh Green was the son of an NBA Hall of Famer like Gary Payton, we'd be singing his praises. I don't think there's anything on the court Josh Green does better than GP. I agree. I think they're the same. I think they're <laughs> the exact same, except that Josh Green is probably what seven years younger. No, Josh he's a Green. Josh Green is a three and D ball player that can't shoot the three and doesn't play D. So at that point, I don't know what he does other than give enthusiastic high fives and wave the towel when we're going on the run. But other than that, he doesn't do dog shit on the court. And I'm and I hate Mavericks fans that throw a cape on for him because he's not a good basketball player. And if Desmond Bain wasn't drafted two spots behind him, we never hear the name Josh Green ever in life. I'm protecting my peace and refusing to talk about Josh Green or Gary Payton anymore. That's fine. Dion, can we address maybe the most slanderous thing that you tweeted last night during the Warriors game? What's that? (laughs) You're not sure off the top of your head on this one? There were a few options. Was it the Steph is playing like he's white comment? Correct. He was. <laughs> could you could you elaborate on that for me, please? Uh, he was playing pussy. He got he honestly got punked, in my opinion. Uh, and he settled for for layups because he was afraid to shoot. I don't know what that was. He let them blitz him off the pick and rolls. I can't believe that shit. He's been getting blitzed his whole fucking career, and he was out there looking like it's his first time ever seeing a trap. Uh. I hate when he does the offhand um, pass, that little left-hand pass. Tillman stole it. It was 68-61. Tillman stole it and put him up nine, and we had to call timeout. Yeah, bro, that was the first. That, wasn't that like the fucking second quarter? Third quarter, bro. You don't. You really don't deserve Steph or to be a Warriors fan. You don't. You don't deserve anything, to be honest. Because I can't believe you out here complaining about uh, what Steph Curry's doing. Like, he just didn't on, play well because he didn't sleep in his Egyptian cotton covers and with a glass of warm tea from Aisha in the morning. He had to sleep in the hotel room and he stunk. That's Steph Curry on the road. Steph Curry, the man with the franchise or the NBA record most or 
what is it, consecutive road wins in a, a playoff series? 24 or some shit like that? Doesn't play well on the road? He stunk last night, though. It's okay. Like, it's really okay to hold your team accountable. You don't have to, like, you don't have to root for, like, mid you don't have to sit around here and be happy just because Bro, you, you, you only <laughs> you only hold a certain amount accountable and it's you on a day-to-day and it's a day-to-day to basis like x said you don't have to argue that miles bridges deserves a max you don't have to do that you can I be realistic i straight up like it's not my wallet so what does it matter we're already a million over the luxury tax like lakeham's going to be paying an arena amount for the luxury tax probably for the next few years but it's absolutely asinine to me that Jordan Poole's getting ready to get the 25% max this offseason. That's one of the more ridiculous things. Hey, you you shut your mouth about my favorite player in the NBA, Dion. He deserves everything that's coming toward him. X. He went no, one for six last night from three and couldn't stop fucking hacking. Congrats. Yeah. The best thing the best thing any Michigan State player did on the court last night was take a pregame photo. Congratulations. No, the, the, uh, the and a win. Draymond was huge for the Grizzlies. And, and a win. Yeah, you get a win on both sides, Cart. Congratulations again. Hang the banner. X, does Jalen Brunson get a max this offseason? God, Jalen Brunson, he really – he is who we thought he was, at least who I admitted he was. Bro, he's going to get swallowed up, paused by long athletic defenders, and we're going to pay him five years, $125 million, and it's going to be fucking disgusting, honestly. I like him. Right, he's a second-round pick. He defied the odds. He's a little guy that plays well, and he's gotten better each year. But if he's your second-best player, you're not winning dog shit, and that's why the Mavs have no chance against the Suns because he's our second-best player, and he's just not good enough. And that's okay to admit. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I uh, I wouldn't want to be in a spot where you have to give Jalen Brunson a max, but my Pistons might give him a max. So we'll see what happens. It's crazy, man. A lot of guys are getting paid. To Dion's point about pool, like there's a lot of dudes in that uh, like up and coming era that are gonna get maxes. I think we're gonna look back and feel a little funny about. Yeah, it's crazy. Twenty five percent level max. Like he's gonna be making more than Draymond and Clay. I want to say it's crazy. I wish my team played in the NBA playoffs. You ain't got to worry about that one. Uh, the next beer five, I will. Uh, yeah. Carl, take Ryan's question in the comments. Would you rather have Bridges or Brunson? Like as a – just can I get a little backdrop? Am I the Pistons? Yeah, or? You're the, be the Pistons GM. Who would you rather have? Probably Bridges, but it's close. Because I think Bridges can get better. I feel like Brunson, this is the best version of Brunson. Do either one of them get, like, remotely close to being worth a max better? No. But that's the, that's the state of the fucking NBA. Every year someone's going to get a max contract from some team. Some team is going to pay that. But, like, if the Hornets gave Bridges a max... It's much different than if the Pistons get Bridges and Max. Are you speaking like because the Hornets are going to have other Maxes to pay out, or what? It, what? It, 
because they just, little, they don't they don't really have there. i mean i guess their only choice would be to let them walk but like their choice is let them walk or give them the max you guys have a hold on uh greg can you remove rob from the chat this man just said draft Jaden fucking ivy sir <laughs> sir speak on it cart tell the people sir. our stand what right-handed killian bruh motherfucking D'Anthony Melton with dreads. Shout out G on that one. Stop, man. If we're in the top three and we take Jay Ivey, I'm going on a hunger strike outside of Little Caesars and my blood will be on the owner's hands. That's fucking malpractice. I will protest. Ivy tricks people, man. And like, I, I, I swear to God, it's hella racist. Why? Like people just see him and they think he looks like Ja. So they say he's Ja. They don't play like at all. Could not be. At could all. not be more. Op- literally, could not be more opposite. And like I, literally the, the only thing opposite. that's similar, like they're both fun to watch. Like Ivy can jump. That's that's about it. Like Ivy is not a creator for others at all. Has no passing gene. Uh, I think Ja's way better in the half court. Even though NBA people would say Ja is like obviously better in transition than half court. Like. Ivy's essentially nothing in the half court. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it at all. Ivy's super moody. Like, there's been so many, I don't want to call them character concerns, but, like, his team was grumpy at all times. They should have been the best team in the country. And to, he just uh, to, 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 be fair to, to be fair to him, I'd be grumpy, too, with what Painter did to him. What did Painter I, feel like, I feel like he had a little bit of a right to be kind of grumpy. What painter do? I mean, you gotta go. We don't even know if Ivy's even good in the pick and roll because they never even let him do it. He had the ball a lot. Like I, if if you're a dynamic player and you, if you're a dynamic player and you had to throw it in to me and watch me do dream shakes for thirty seconds, would you not be frustrated? Yeah, I I think Ivy had the ball a ton. Is the thing. Like I, I still didn't like Travion. You know that I complained about it, but like, I don't know. I think like a lot of the Ivy hype was hyperbole. Like he's the best guard in the country. Is he really? Because he has the ball a ton and Purdue's not that good. And <laughs> I don't know. Like I, if he was that good in the pick and roll, we would see it at some point. It's not like Painter literally there, never let him do that. There's also a good amount of guards that I'm taking before Ivy in this draft. Name them. Who you got? Taking, I'm taking Shaden Sharp. Shit, I take Jaden Hardy before I take Jaden Ivy. He's not even the Whoa. best Jaden in the draft. That's a little wild. I'm just saying, man. Like the the whole him looking like Ja thing is really gonna trick people into thinking he's something he's not. Yeah, I agree. We gotta, uh, we need to do an Ivy drunk scouts at some point because that'll be a controversial one. Are we doing? We're supposed to chat this week, I think, Cart. Yep. We'll see if you don't future, blow that one. Future, off. future, future, piston, Chad Holmgren. I kind of hope not. I hope we get Jabari or Paolo. But I don't want to fuck. Oh my god, bro! Paolo's that's what's really gonna trick people. Nah, Paolo's tough. He's he's just not, man. <laughs> We're hijacking. Uh, I'm just saying, okay. you could score yeah. on him. 
That's not true at all. But I appreciate you giving me credit. But that's not true at all. Also, if Jabari is Black Ryan Anderson, he shouldn't be the number one pick, by the way. You're the only person on earth calling him Black Ryan Anderson. It's so disrespectful. I, I, I did not say that. I'm reading the comments, jackass. I mean, I have to assume Ryan's taking that from you. You said that in our episode. I said his I said his floor, his floor is Black Ryan Anderson. That is a good floor. That's a horrendous floor for a guy as talented Why? as Jabari Smith. Bro, I, the, I said floor. Are you not listening to the F word? Floor, F-L-O-O-R, floor, floor. Like that's I got a question scenario. When you guys watch these games, like – like what's going through your head with the players? Like how much does the the opinion on the player change after like the first shot that you take? <laughs> I, I ain't gonna lie. Probably halfway through, like I start I start getting pretty out of control, which probably is where the Black Ryan Anderson floor came from. But well, Ryan Anderson thing's fucking crazy, dog. Like, why? <laughs> at worst, at worst, he's a knockdown shooter who's six ten. I watched him as young scout. I didn't think he looked that good in that game. Oh, I thought no. I just I thought that was a great game by him. Also, I also remember I mean, like, watching that game live. Uh, Jabari does I hella like face up, like triple threat, like. Put the ball on the floor, shoot over people. Ryan Anderson has none of that at all. I mean, this is the Ryan Anderson disrespects wild. That's what I'm saying. Why are we like Ryan Anderson is just an absolute bump? I for compared to Jabari Smith, he is. The floor, Gregory. It's a disrespectful as hell floor. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh my god. You're about to be defining the word floor to me. Like, I don't understand what that means. That's that's so ridiculous. What's, what's Chef Holmgren's floor? What's Jeff Holmgren's floor? You just call him Jeff Mal- Holmgren? Malay's a, Malay's a Michigan fan. His, his opinion doesn't count. But, like, you guys watched that game and saw a star in Jabari? Yes. I saw a really, 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 like, high-end role player. I saw maybe like a Chris Middleton type stuff. Bro, Dion, you should never ever step for step foot in a front office ever because you are all over the place. Yeah. I just think <laughs> I thought <laughs> that game said role player. A lot of what he did was like off creation from others. He I think I'd have to rewatch the Junk Scouts, but there was probably like three or four times when he scored twenty five where he went like ones with somebody. Uh that was like kind of my takeaway. But he's a phenomenal defender, and he's a knockdown catch and shoot guy, and he's like really tall, pretty good around the basket. Pause. But like, yeah. Every time he got a touch, it was just handing the ball and get out of the way. <laughs> he did a ton of ISO shit. I thought he had a ton of catch and shoot, which isn't a knock on him. Like you got played. Dion didn't watch it. I did. That's I had, all, that's I, all I, I bet against <laughs> Auburn that game too. To be honest, man, I was kind of sick. Rewatching it, I, I remember vividly where I was. <laughs> uh, Reese, is, Reese is saying his ceiling is Jaron Jackson, and I think his ceiling is so much higher than that. Like I, I really think Jabari could be a special wing scorer, which is like the prototype guy that teams win championships around. Like, 
a bigger Jason Tatum is legitimately a possibility. With uh, him. Though his uh, handle is not that. That's that's what pissed me off. Now I remember. Tatum's, Tatum's wasn't in college either, Cart. Like yes, Tatum's hand, Tatum. Tatum has always had like that type of tight handle. Like Jabari scoring, catching it, disrespect. Like he's catching it, jab stepping. Like he's got like one or two dribbles. But Jason Tatum's actually like can line you up, square you up, and piece you up with his dribble. Like Jabari's not doing that. I think he, Jabari he can like, dribble, so he's like a lot of catch and shoot stuff, Kurt. No, Dion. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Dion so much. When you say oh, Jason Tatum, do you mean like a ceiling, like an unrealistic ceiling that might happen, but also no, might I, not, right? Listen, I want y'all to remember this because, like, the thing is, it sounds crazy to say the summer before they hit the draft, but like Tatum as a prospect was significantly behind where Jabari Smith is. And like Tatum's incredible, but if Jabari Smith hits, he's a better player in the NBA than Jason Tatum is, and he might that, not that's hit. All, that, that's, all, that's also wrong, by the way. It's not wrong. It's that not Jabari, wrong. At all. Jabari's farther along than when Tatum was in college. If Jason Tatum was in this draft, the highest he gets selected is fourth, and that's a maybe. If Jason Tatum's in this draft, he's the first overall pick. Greg, stop, Bruh. Like, the Celtics went down and comfortably got him. He wasn't even on the level of Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz. And that draft was not he was, viewed he as he a actually, killer he actually draft. Was, he, was, he was on that level. I, I, like, looking back, he is. But this is the revisionist shit that we do. Like, once a player hits, it's easy to be like, oh, no one can ever be that good. But, like, every fucking year, there's two to three guys who end up being that good. And this draft is maybe the highest quality draft that we've had in seven-plus years at the top. If I, like remember top correct, if I remember correctly, though, and someone can tell me I'm wrong if, if so, but wasn't, like, Jason Tatum considered for the number one pick with that? I mean, it wasn't necessarily, like, Markel Fultz is clear and by far the best player. Like, we're going to take Markel Fultz. Like, there was questions with him. There was questions with Lonzo. Like, Jason Tatum was in the conversation for the number one pick. Just like Jabari Smith is in the conversation for the number one pick this year. Greg is both right and woefully wrong. To your point, Tatum... Hold on, actually, you underwater. All right, is this any better? No. It's getting worse and worse every time you mute and unmute. I will say real quick while X is getting that together, I think that Philly and the Lakers both drafted for need rather than like BPA. Tatum was one of those. If you think about that it, was late rising. He was a t- considered a top ten, but everyone was projecting what Tatum could become. But Markel Fultz was Markel Fultz was by far and away considered to be the top player in college that year. Um, but to Greg's point, now I'm not the college analyst that you guys are. But to say that this is the strongest draft in the last seven years, I don't think, from what I've read and, and heard, I don't think anybody thinks that anybody in this year's draft has the upside, maybe Chet, if he hits like 1,000% his ceiling, of being like a franchise cornerstone, right? Like no one thinks that whoever they get in this year's draft is going to completely change the direction of their, of their team. So I don't know how you could say that this is the strongest draft in seven years. I I think the top three is 
or at least should be considered that. Jabari and Chet are definitely cornerstone types. Paolo, you can debate. I think he is. But we don't even have some people do. Some people. There's not even a consensus number one overall right? pick, though. It's That's more because like, those hey, three are that good at. That's because those like there's uh, arguments for each of the three being one A in a loaded draft class. What's it like? But are any of them a Zion or an AD or a player like that who people are like? Look, if you get him, your franchise is fucking is is on the up and up. I don't think any of those. Uh, I'm I'm in the I'm in the belief that Chet and Jabari are. Chet guys. Chet is and Chet's about to go can. third in this draft. Like. <laughs> That's like Chet like, is Chet, that, and he's about to go third in the draft because the top of the draft's that loaded. This Chet, what's like the Chet has to reach his ceiling, and like, what's the percentage likelihood you two feel that he gets there, though? I mean, I, honestly, I, I think he gets there just by getting out of Gonzaga for real. Yeah, that's a game you can play with every prospect. Like, there's physical concerns with Chet, but he's a seven footer with the best jumper of any player in college, like <laughs> who is crossing up Curry at his camp at age 15. I like, he's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know what I said is like really like a ridiculous question to ask anybody, but like when you're an NBA GM, you're essentially putting your like family's livelihood on the line of this 19 year old kid reaching his potential. And that's kind of like the question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. But I, I think that, it's not all potential with Chet, though. Like, Chet was doing some things this year. Like, Chet was really, really good this year. And I think it could get – it's going to get better with, you know, the. I think he could be a higher usage player. At worst, you got a guy who is mobile, seven-foot, and is one of the best rim protectors we've probably seen in a long time. Like, he's really that good. And if it wasn't for refs not be able to know how to referee a shot-blocking talent like that, he'd be even better. Do you think his body holds up at the next level? Like, how much weight – what's the number in terms of pounds like you think he needs to put on? Like 20-ish? Yeah, not even, to be honest. I mean, probably, yeah, probably about 20. But, like, at the same time, like, what? Is, is, is the guy who could run into is a Joel Embiid and a, and a Jokic? Like I still think he could hold his own at that because he has the wingspan and the height, and he's yeah, not like weak. He's not. He's not necessarily weak either. I know he's skinny as shit, but he's not necessarily weak. The yeah. trouble is is going to be like more of like defensive and rim protection. Like you're going to want him to gain weight. Like offensively, I don't think it matters. Like if he ends up being like Kevin Durant, like like body type wise, like that's fine offensively, but defensively, you're going to want him to bulk up. Also, to McSwag's point. If Kyle Lowry wants to post up and body Chet, that's fine. He can body him all the way to the rim. Then he's going to send that shit five rows deep. He's got a seven, eight wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> but can he, if he gets switched onto like a wing or a guard, like can he theoretically defend in space well? Without fouling. Well's, well's the key word. Like at the NBA level, we have to see. At the college level, he could. Um, but like I, the thing is, Chet has some shit to him. Like, the, yeah, he's not, all he's these, not, he's not, not he's, I, Deion said he's like, Deion said earlier, like, he plays white. Like, Chet's got some, like, Chet's not a bitch. Like, I he, get the NBA is different, but like, the, all these concerns of like, oh, he's going to get pushed around. Like, that was there going to college and it was not true at all. Like, yeah, but do they have the type totally of different. bodies in college that can actually push him around? Like, I get it. I, yes, in no. college, there's very few players that can do that. But in the NBA, like, you're going to run across that more often than not. I, I like, understand that, but like 
he's he, guys that have never really gotten pushed around, even though there's been concerns at every level they've ever played. I'm not that worried about it. He can add 10 pounds and he'll be fucking fine. Yeah, I like his I like his upside a lot. I just I guess like his like floor and middle ground is what would concern me a little bit if I was a GM. I just I and again, I'm amateur college basketball analyst here, but like for example, when I saw um what's the guy that was in Jared Culver, when I saw him in the tournament, I'm like, he there's nothing about him that says he's gonna be like a great player. And it's like I don't really care what you do against Monmouth State. I kind of want to see you on the big stage against other NBA level talent. And it just seems like Chet just disappeared for a lot of that tournament. You know what I'm saying? So I, that just kind of gave me pause. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't see that when anyone, why I was just like, oh my God, like those guys are going to be difference makers in the league. It just feels like a lot is going to depend on situation and who they have around them. And if it depends on that, then they're not to the level of an AD or Zion or somebody like, like a franchise cornerstone that you build around. Yeah, I definitely think I'm overreacting to the tournament, too, for what it's worth. That game against uh, Jalen, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's probably wrong, but Duran. Yeah, from the Memphis guy. Yeah, he got moved around by that kid. Um, and that's another top 10 pick, right? Like, maybe even higher than that. So, like. I would say that, lower. I don't know about top 10. That one gave me a little pause. It's like a fellow lottery pick, like Max said, kind of just moving you around at will. Uh, and that he, him and Paolo are like the two closest dudes in college basketball to having like an NBA body. So, yeah, that one gave me a little pause. Yeah, I, to, for me personally, I know a lot of people don't do this, but I don't. I know you want to put a lot of stock into the NCAA tournament, but I like to look at the whole season, the whole sample size, just because you can get tricked in the NCAA tournament. Like guys will play good for six games and put themselves in a lottery then you end up with a malachi richardson or dj wilson like i don't know it goes both ways yeah he had four blocks in that game also like or did Great. move a couple times but i don't know Great question still, for you uh, huh? do you feel like college basketball has reached the level that college football is at to where like college football it's impossible to scout corners and it's impossible to scout quarterbacks just because the game that they're playing in college isn't the game being played in the NFL. So a lot of what you're doing with like corners and quarterbacks is projecting because you don't really see them in these type of scenarios. Do you feel like in college basketball, because of the lack of space and or because of the type of offense being run, that it's kind of harder to really scout these players because of the level of competition isn't there and the schemes being run aren't quite what's going to be at the NBA level. And a lot of what you're doing is just kind of educated guesswork more so than actually, you know, seeing things that are tangible that you can easily translate to the next level. If that makes sense. It's a fair question. I, I don't think so personally, because I think like at least at the top of these boards, it's not that hard to project like skill sets and intangibles to, a much more wide open game and even to systems specifically in the NBA. Like uh, this isn't a top of the draft guy, but like I watched Jordan Poole for two years at Michigan. I was terrified when he left, he was going to end up in like Sacramento. And as soon as he got drafted by the Warriors, I was like, Oh, his career saved. Like he's so, I know he's so creative offensively and good at reading angles and, like he was going to thrive in that system just off skill set alone. Like usually the top, three or four in a draft pending, you know, where they end up, 
there's specific things you can point to that like even for Chet, like he played in the West Coast Conference. There's body concerns. There's competition level concerns. Like what I know for sure about Chet is he's going to be a very high level shot blocker and he's going to shoot 40% from three at the NBA level. Like if nothing else hits, which is not even to speak of how mobile and how fluid he is, I don't think people realize like how much he can do off the bounce. Like he can literally run the break as a point guard and he can do that in the league. He's that good. Um, Now, like, is he going to be able to guard centers? I have no idea, but even if he can't guard centers at all, everything else he does makes him an instant starter level guy in the NBA for any team he gets on. So would it be better for him to like situation wise following that thread up? Like, would it be better for him to start in like an Evan Mobley situation where he's not necessarily the five in a starting lineup? Like he gets to play off another five. Like would that make would that help him at least to start? I I I like the fit of him as a four. So I think my answer to that is yes. I think like a, a comparison to Mobley, I almost brought it up ten minutes ago. Like I think they're sort of similar. I think Chet's a way better prospect than Evan Mobley though, as crazy as that sounds. Like I Chet can do a lot of the things Evan Mobley can do, but Chet's way more fluid. Like he has more bag offensively. Um, He's got a strap. There's just more to him than there is Evan Mobley. And I know that sounds crazy, but this is kind of my point is like, Every fucking year, the top two or three guys that hit in the draft, we look back and we don't think the next year's group can match them. But as long as the draft isn't a total bust, usually two or three of them do. And that's that's where I'm at with Chat and Jabari minimum is those guys are killers. Like, I don't know what situation they wouldn't be future all stars in in the league. I just don't. They're that good. Um, Paolo, you can debate Jaden Ivy. You can absolutely debate. I think I'm a lot more down on Ivy than most people are, but like, let's, I mean, go back the last three, four years, like even LaMelo's class, right? Like it would have sound crazy if pre-draft, you know, people were saying LaMelo ball could match what the best guard from three years before could do. But like, I, I don't even know who that would be. Like at the time, Donovan Mitchell, people would have been like, no fucking way. And like, now LaMelo's way better. Like, higher ceiling guys come in every single year. And as a prospect, like, I'm taking Chet 100% over guys like Mobley, over guys like Aiton. Car, I don't know if you agree with that, but, like, I don't know that there's been a big man prospect I like as much as Chet since Anthony Davis. Yeah. No, I'm I'm on board with you with that. Uh, I had a question for you, too. Uh do you think the NIL is going to spread the talent in college basketball around enough to where like these prospects are developing a little bit more? Because I feel like so many of these dudes the last like five to 10 years have come into the league, like so raw with so much to improve on. And you rarely get the guy like that does actually make those improvements and get to the ceiling outside of like the top end of the draft. Car, you should take that. Uh, all right. So there's a couple, couple of points to that. I don't think that it's necessarily gonna make the spread of talent, just because I think it's honestly, if anything, it's though you're gonna keep better players. I think the talent's gonna be more concentrated because 
obviously more schools are going to have bigger bags than others. Like you can do whatever you want to do. You can have any recruiting pitch you want to do, but this shit's really like free agency now, almost like if a school is able to come up with that NIL bag, like a Miami, you know, all the talent's going to be kind of focused on the schools that can offer the biggest NIL bags. Um, I don't think it really affects prospects that are going to be NBA guys kind of coming in. If anything, it'll just keep really good players that wouldn't make as much money at the next level. Like a Luca Garza would have been great for NIL, even though he stayed all four years. Like there's nothing for him to do really at the NBA level. He's going to be a two way guy, maybe find his way on, do a couple 10 days. But, you know, a guy like Oscar Shibwe with Kentucky. Is he necessarily going to be a guy who's a first-round pick? Who knows? He's going to be a guy who can maybe carve out a role in the league, maybe. But he might as well just get his bag, get his close to two million, I think it is, in with all NIO opportunities in one, and then just stay in college. Yeah, I, uh, I, as far as the college game goes, what I think NIL kills is the smaller levels. Yep. Like there's. Yep. There's essentially no incentive for a guy who could potentially make the NBA to stay at a school that is not a massive, one of the best programs in the country now. Like, if you are a star at one of the smaller levels, you're instantly going to be recruited by schools that will pay you $200,000 or more to go play another year in college at a school with more exposure. And I don't know what that does to the game. Like, as a fan of a power conference school, I, I don't mind that. Um, but even at the power level, like there's schools that aren't as well prepared to enter into that type of thing. Like Michigan's running into it with admissions issues right now. Michigan state's running into it because their coach just straight up doesn't want to play that game. Uh, like they're going to fall behind North Carolina and Kansas and Duke and institutions that quite frankly have been doing this under the table for a while now anyway, but now it's the wild west and there's no regulation of it. And it's fun. Like it's, it's a really entertaining time to be a college basketball fan, but it it only benefits to me, the bigger name kids. So like the guys that are going to end up making an impact in the NBA, those are the ones to me that will kind of sort of shine and get more spotlight in college. Even if that means they hang around a little longer before taking their talent to the next step. It's an interesting discussion, by the way. Like, we started NBA playoffs and flipped to this, uh, but I'm enjoying it. I just want to make it known that I love NIL, and I love all of it. For anyone who says it's ruining the college game, I think it's beautiful. I I like what it's doing in college basketball. I I will say, like, some of the shit that's happening in college football, I think, is a little too much. Yeah, the Addison thing. Addison thing is crazy. The Pitt guy. Yeah, what Lincoln did to get him is that shouldn't be allowed. (laughs) I'm just happy that I can buy like players' actual jerseys now. Facts. Yeah, only a good thing for jersey connoisseurs, which I am one of. Uh, all right, we went long today, but thanks, y'all. That was fun. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. This was the Multiplicity Morning Show. I don't think I even said that at the top. We do this every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning. Everybody on stage is typically uh, someone you'll see frequently on this show. So open invite. We'll probably do NBA playoff stuff again tomorrow. If anybody wants to roll back through, feel free. And uh, Dion, we got to ice up, man. Warriors got to get right.
I'm nervous. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I, I think you know you know the Warriors are like back in the playoffs when <clears throat> the team from the other side goes and steals home court and they're getting ready to walk to winning the series and then the Warriors steal home court but the sky's still falling. So Hey hey Dion, have you seen that Shawn Michaels clip of him dancing on that uh <laughs> dancing on that uh what's it called? The, the, the coffin? Yeah. Yeah, just just know how he got the Photoshop ready. <laughs> Cart, can it's, you quickly it's in the files? Cart, can you quickly comment on the status of your podcast portal decision? Uh yeah, decision coming tonight. Um you know, I got a full kind of statement on it coming out, but it was a fun process. I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoyed it. I enjoy being loved. I enjoy the the grind and looking at other places. So uh decision coming tonight, though, I think I'm at peace with it and ready to move forward. A lot of speculation that you blowing off our award show recording last night could, you know, have implications on your future decision. Do you want to comment on that? I just had to sneak in one last official visit, last minute type thing. Got it. All right. Well, I, I hope you remain. Sleepers Media Nation uh, really wants you to stay, big fella. So we'll see. Stay tuned. Uh, appreciate y'all. We'll be back tomorrow sometime in the morning and or lunch uh, doing more of this. We'll see y'all tomorrow.